Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H E L P. Good evening, everyone, and a very warm welcome to the Online Darts Live Lounge. Here we are for episode number two. And I think we've sorted out the little issues we had with the buffering. So here we are, me, Phil Bars, Jonathan Eaton, and Jack Gobby Garwood. Here we are, live, live lounge number two, boys. It's been good, hasn't it, so far? Yes, it's been uh, it's been tiring. I think is probably the right word of saying this one, Phil. Um, the last nine days in Milton Keynes has been absolutely immense to get back to doing darts, and they've been great to obviously be part of the team here. Um, alongside yourself and Gob, um, get absolute stick for missing one show uh, of the whole week, and uh, I get absolutely hail, uh, nailed for it, which is uh, good to see nothing's changed, Gob. Yeah, definitely, mate, but uh, well worth it being back covering live darts, um, and, and what a way for us to, to get back into it, if you like, what, what a tournament, um, what nine days we've had. At Milton Keynes, Phil, obviously, you were there in the the bio bubble, as you like, um, and us two from home late nights, as, as it were, as all the events have finished. So, yeah, solid team effort all around, I think. Yeah, no, definitely. And we go back, back to it, Jar. We don't make the rules, we just enforce them. Yeah, I Correct. get that. I get all that. <laughs> don't worry about that. It's uh, But like I say, you know, it was a really, really good tournament, and it was probably the most unexpected major win, I'm going to say, in probably, what, three to four years? Probably since um, the maestro, Philip Douglas's last ma- uh, match play win in Blackpool. It was probably the last major win this surprising. Yeah, I don't think anyone think before the tournament said Dimitri Vandenberg would win the tournament, and that's not this being disrespectful to Dimitri. Um, he's obviously a fabulous player, but the bookies don't often get it wrong. And when you're a hundred to one at the start, that's for a reason. Um, first of all, just good evening, Charlie, joining us on YouTube. First comment of the night. Welcome along, mate, to the live lounge. Um, so yeah, go, going back to it, I think the first round sort of like set the stall out a little bit, didn't it? That 
we thought we were going to get a normal tournament because the seeds did all right in round one. We'll come on to where it all went wrong in a minute, Gob, but you called it five seeds. We're going to go, and you got the magical number right. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it wasn't ego the anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it wasn't the combination of players we expected to be at risk dropping out the tournament, but we did get to that number five in the end of the first night. Seeds got away of it unscathed, um, and it sort of went downhill from then, from there on. Um, yeah, like I said, it felt like it started like a normal tournament. Of the 16, I think five is a reasonable number to lead, to, to drop out of the first round, especially the way that some of the ties came out in the draw. Um, but after that, it really did become seed again and all over again. And it's mad what putting the 32 best players in the world will, will do for the seeds. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um... <laughs> Seedings went out the window, that's for sure. Joel, just looking at it first round, what was your notable game and notable shock, if we'll have it? I don't really know if it's a shock or not, but I think Simon Whitlock actually beating Ryan Joyce. That's probably the biggest shock of the lot, to be brutally honest. I mean, the FN of Rob Cross against Gabe Clemens is probably a big shock, but, but remember, Gabe was Gabe's a, is a great player. Like, he's really on the rise. Like, he, I didn't think of it as much of a shot because of the way that Cross had been playing in the summer series. I mean, Gezi Price, I mean, against Danny Nopper as well, though, that, that's a potential shock in there. But the fact that Simon Willock comfortably beat that, uh, comfortably beat Ryan Joyce, really, a man who just won the summer series, and a man who was fighting for his life in the top 16, obviously not top 16 anymore, but a man who was at the time fighting in his life in the top 16, that is a big shock to me, especially when Joyce had been playing so well. It was, but I know Ryan Joyce hasn't said this out loud, but did you hear the little story about his semi-injury going into the game? Yeah. Through the grapevine. Yes. He cut his finger yes. where his dart rest. Now, to be fair, I kind of believe that because he hasn't said it himself, um, but that's mm. Ryan Joyce all over. That We've seen big performances, but not enough of them. I think that would be fair to say, Gob. Yeah, I agree. And we said it when he won the when he won the event that he's always had the ability, but sometimes it's been his mentality that he's struggled with. He's been a bit petulant on the board before, but he seemed to put together that that good day in middle needs at the summer series that pushed him on. Um, and he, he is that sort of he won't make excuses for it when we've seen Petrus before, or when we've just seen him have a bad day before. He doesn't have a lot to say about it. He just like that wasn't good enough. I'll come back and I'll, I'll do something different, or I'll try again. So, yeah, the the injury isn't the best time thing for him, um, and I think we we did have him as favourite for that match probably with the form he was carrying. Um, so yeah, a, a bit of a surprise for that one. Not my biggest surprise of the first round, I'll be honest. I, I think Dimitri getting through the first round was was the biggest surprise for me. Um, Nathan's a quality uh, player um, been well where is he in the world now I can't even remember where that's been a little six uh, number six, six in the world, world now yeah. and he's another that seems to relish being on stage and on TV etc so uh, that wasn't one that I saw a see being upset we didn't touch on it a great deal in, in any preview show because it was one where we just not assumed but I said it we're all pretty I said comfortable it. I said in it. Jet. In jest. In jest. That's not the point. Your love for Dimitri. 
What was not the point? I still said it, so I'm claiming it. Even then, you went back against it. Like it's like throwing up something, and it'll stick, isn't it? Like. Oh dear. Yeah, just just Dimitri getting through that first round against Nathan, who is, is a quality operator, who's, who's been deep on on TV um, and one events. I just wasn't expecting it. I'll be I'll be completely honest. I didn't think that Dimitri performed well enough because his floor game is not the level of his TV game. I think that's a polite way of putting it. <laughs> there are times when there's a massive. Yeah. Disparity between the two, um, and yeah, that, that's my shock of the first round. Arguably, it goes on to be the shock of the tournament. <laughs> um, we'll come on to it. Just a couple of YouTube questions coming in. We will touch on the Vincent Vandervoort, Kirk Bevins bit when we come on to that in a minute, guys. So don't worry, we won't dodge the subject, but we won't break ranks. We go through round by round, but don't worry, everyone on YouTube, we will talk about it because we have to. It's what we're here for. But yeah, no, I, I agree that. The first round, not too many shocks. However, however, gentlemen, round number two, and that shock book goes somewhere out my window, out there, across next door's garden, and maybe into the one after that. First up, <laughs> top of the shop, Michael Van Gerwen getting obliterated 11-4 by Simon Whitlock, and there's no other way to put it, and it was an abomination. Yeah. Um, what more can you say? I, I I think we said it on the day, by the way, about on the match play daily that we do. Uh, obviously, we did it throughout the throughout the entire week. And I remember saying at that point to both of you, "Can you remember a performance where Michael Van Gerwen was that bad?" And I still not can't now, nearly a week time. on. No, not not since he's probably won the since he's won his made the major. Um, not a complete game, but I remember. The World Series, when he lost to, who did he lose to in Germany, which was a shock, Martin Schindler, when he was one game away and completely switched off. But that was him switching off because he was in cruise control. But from start to finish, I still can't believe yeah. he didn't play with the UK Open darts. I'm just putting it out there. I staggered that he changed. What, do you think, he, again, we've always talked about this, about the top professionals in particular, Phil. Do we honestly believe here at the moment, this is probably a question to both of you, that he's still chasing something that maybe isn't there? Because like he's gone and won the UK Open. And, and to be fair, if he had won the UK Open final against Gezi Price, admittedly what happened in the Summer Series, okay, I, I, I totally accept that. But I really think that had he not won that those uh, that UK Open against Gezi Price in the final, we'd be having serious questions right now by the world number one. Serious questions. Uh, yeah, possibly. Um, but I'm I'm just surprised. I think he's still searching. I think in his head, he thinks he can be better than what he was in sixteen seventeen. And I, whether he can or not, it's another matter. I wouldn't back against him. That's for sure. But he's he's still searching for something. And for me, the UK darts were the ones. But hey, he's Michael Van Gogh, and he. He'll do what he wants. Yeah, he's still he's still miles away from the he's still miles away from the rest of the field in terms of the world number one ranking. God, it'll be fine, won't he? Yeah, of course he will. No one's no one's getting near him anytime soon. But 
back to the darts, I think we're saying that about a lot of players at the minute and, and searching to be at a level they were before. We, we said it about uh, A.D. Lewis a couple of times in the week where is he chasing that level where he was the two-time world champion and those performances he was putting in when he was clashing with Phil Taylor in every other major event. I think we could say the same about Rob Cross. I think he's chasing the level of performance from when he reached the world championships. And I think that the, the players are... We're in an era where there's so much put on the averages and the stats that come with the performances rather than there's a result, I'm happy with it. And I think they're constantly chasing that level and that perfection of throwing less than 15 dart legs over and over and over again. Um, I think they're putting more pressure on themselves rather than going out, getting results and picking up prize money and titles. Yeah, I, I, I see that, but... I don't think we'll see those darts again from Michael Van Gogh. And I think we can all agree on that one when the Premier League returns. Um, going Just going down through the list, I think we can all agree. Second game, we were all disappointed in James Wade against Gary Anderson. James Wade from the first round didn't turn up. Go, go on, he has, he's your hero. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, was, it was sort of like the worst game it was like that Ga- Gary Neville quote wasn't it when it was Liverpool or Man City to win the Premier League it's like which one do you want to run off with your wife I didn't want to see either of them lose um, yeah it, I mean Gary wasn't really great at that point I think he was trying to build his way up into the tournament um, I don't think he would have been too upset of himself had he not progressed at that point because he just he just wasn't at the level that you need to be to win these events um but yeah james didn't have a great game against him um allowed gary to to do what gary does to get out of trouble rather than those finishes helping james out so which is strange because this is a tournament that james traditionally does very well at very well i mean he's, he's never lost in the first round which is a fantastic record um that, that's not the greatest. I think Gary was there for the taking, and especially with Michael to then go on to fall in the following match. Would James have made a better final of it? Maybe. Yeah, I agree. Then the next one, this was, this was a really good game. Christoph Ratarski edging Gabriel Clements, and we know, Jar, that you're a fan of both. I think it's fair to say, so you can talk us through this one, but a really good game. Well, the big question is, is that do you think now that both of them can do it on a stage, Phil? <laughs> uh, one I am more convinced on. One still <laughs> is to convince me. Would that, would that be the one that won the match by any chance? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I've, got, I've got to say, Ratajski has convinced me more after the match play. Oh, man, I was, I was impressed by Ratajski throughout. Clements, I still think there's questions because although he played better in round two... Well, let's be brutally honest. The game against Rob Cross, he averaged 89 and won a match play first round game. So I'm still not 100% sold on Clements yet. Against a defending champ as well, yeah. Not, not great, that. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest with you, but around that game in particular, right, with Tyski and Clements, I thought it was a real solid scrap between the pair. More than 2180s in the game, absolutely banging them in for fun at one stage. Gabe Clemens coming back from, I think, from the abyss, really, at one stage, lead 10-9. Really good comeback from him. Just couldn't quite get over the line. But, I mean, look, the, the Polish Eagle's the Polish Eagle. He is going to win a major title at some stage. He's too good to not win a major title. I, I think maybe I gave him a bit too much uh, bit too much harshness at the start of the, t- at the start of the week by saying that I want that success now because we're so 
so used to seeing darts players sort of like have that instant success. And I think that I may give him a little bit too much, but credit to Clements, by the way, because he didn't go away at, one, at any stage. He was an absolutely brilliant, brilliant performance from him, I thought, on, on stage there. But Ratajski, he's doing bits. And it was a really good game between yeah. the pair. No, I agree. Moving down, the next one, Michael Smith against Mensah Sulovic, 14-12. I think that scoreline flatters Mensah. If I'm being honest, I thought Smith was I the better player. I don't know if it does. Throughout. No, I, I wasn't I convinced. I don't know if it does. I actually think that what that showed more than anything uh-huh. about Buddy Boy. <laughs> Maybe a slight one. Maybe it's a backhanded one because he should have won the game. There's no doubt about that, in my opinion. Silovic <laughs> got into a winning position and he should have won the game. Full stop. Uh, that 11 dart breaker throw, by the way, when he goes 11 10 down, absolute stones. Absolute stones from him. Absolute cojones, as I always used to say. But Smith, right? Mensal missing six darts in each of the last two legs. As in, like, so there's three in the first leg and then three in the next leg, right? To go and take us into a sudden death or potentially win the game, right? He's got to do better there. He has to do better for a Champions League winner, for a, for a television title winner. He's got to do better. But Michael Smith proved to me there, more than anything else, that he's a different player than what he would have been 12 months ago. In that moment there, yeah, that moment, we'll come, we'll come on to the quarterfinal in a second, I'm sure. But Michael Smith in that game really dug deep. He went to the well. And unlike normal, where if because things like if that game would happen where he kept missing doubles for legs, he probably would have got frustrated. He would have beaten himself up. There would have been all over the show, and, and like he probably would have been a bit, you know, angry on stage, and it would have affected him. That one, it didn't, and you got to give credit to him for that. Yeah, no, I agree. Then going into the other half of the draw, one of the games of the year, I'd say, not in terms of maybe averages and quality, but just drama. The world champion departed as Dazza dazzles and beats Peter Wright 11-8. And it was just a damn good game to watch, Gob. Yeah, it was. It was It was very up and down. Peter Wright got out of the blocks really early. Dazza pinned him back. Wright then had a whole world of trouble on the outer ring and, and suddenly started hitting bullseye for fun to keep him in the match, which it in itself is, is just mental. Um but I think Dozer was the better player in this one. The fact he's made back-to-back semi-finals at the match play and he's only ever been there twice is is a fantastic achievement. Um, the the calibre of players he's beaten on those runs is fantastic. Obviously, he took out Michael Van Gogh last year, this year, Peter Wright. Um, it, we, we just said this about Smith, but I think this is a matter of time before Glenn Derrick does pick up a big PDC title. Um I just think that his setup play is ridiculous, that it puts players under so much pressure, the way that he can go from in and around 200 to leave a, a single data or two data. Um, still, I'm not overawed by his scoring power. I still think there's a little bit of an improvement to be made there. I think he, he tries too hard to follow the first dart sometimes, and that's where you see him snatching a little bit. But other than that, he, he just looks fantastic on, on the hockey. Um, and he's one of them as well where, all right, he's, he's not miles off, but I think this is where a two-year ranking system doesn't quite reflect the current rankings in my head. He, he is a lot higher yeah. than 12 or 13 where he sits at the minute in terms of best players in the world right now. 
yeah, I, I wouldn't disagree there. The last two, interesting, Adrian Lewis, 11-7 over Danny Noppet. And again, this is one that I don't know how, Noppet just hangs in games because he was outplayed for a lot of it. The, the averages, I know they don't mean everything, but when there's nearly 13 points difference in the average, Noppet's, you've got to give him credit and he's got a set of kahunas to hang in there when, when it matters. Um, not Apart from that, there's not really much to talk about in that game, if we're being honest. No, but at the same time, though, Lewis Lewis should be doing better than that. I'm sorry, he should be. If, he, if he's pinging in 100 averages and stuff like that, then he should be getting down to finishes quicker than that. Like I say, not at once, they think it was, a, it was about a 16, 17 point difference, if I remember saying it correctly, yeah. after about five or 10 legs. That ain't, Lewis has got to, okay, fair enough, he goes and wins the game. But in my opinion, there, he goes and, he goes and turns on the afterburners at six all to go and win the game. Now he should be doing better. He should be winning that game a lot more comfortably, in my opinion. If if we if we're going to give Lewis this huge comeback that everyone's talking about, he's actually dropped down the rankings from where he was. I mean, do you know what I mean? He's dropped down, but he's dropped down a place. It's not. It's not. It's not anything. It's just a fact. Yeah, circumstances when at the start of the tournament, I don't think we'd have quite predicted that Dimitri would have come from miles away to now be world number 12. But no, I, I get what you mean, that I'm not completely we'll certain the Adrian Lewis comeback yet. Yes, I saw improvements from him, and it, his, his, his weapon of choice was interesting, shall we say, through the tournament. Um, but yeah, I, I think that the Lewis should have got rid of him easier. And then the, the bottom one, Dancing Dimmy dodges a bullet in this one because he beats Joe Cullen 11-9, but Joe Cullen, I think he's on holiday now, on his Instagram, he must be sat around the pool thinking, how have I lost this game? Because in the middle spells, Dimitri was there for the taking, in my opinion, in this game. Fair place for Dimitri because he took his chances when they were presented. And that's a dark play. That's all you can do. But Joe will be kicking himself how he's lost this game, I think. Oh, 100%. And, and Mark Webster said it on commentary at the time, I think, that that was the sort of performance that Joe Cullen needs to start getting over the line at the end of. That It's no good constantly turning up, being involved in good games, good scraps, and being the plucky runner-up. Joe Collin needs to start winning those games and, and getting over the line and pushing on again. He's got the ability. We've seen he's got the ability. Um, he's constantly in, in the final four of Euro Tours last year. Um, and, and that scrap against Gary Anderson, again, at the match play, he was, he was the plucky loser. Last year, let's just write it off. He, he had a bad day when, when Ian White took him to the cleaners 10-0, but he still hasn't quite got there for the World Championships either. And Joe's one that you're looking at going, is it ever going to happen for him on a big TV event now? Because, like I just said, we've, we've seen he's got the ability. He's done it on floor events. He's done it on Euro Tours. But to lose that game from the position he was in, whilst you have to give Dimitri credit, Colin, like you said, will be kicking himself. 100% moving on to the quarterfinals. We'll start at the top because I think each one of these has talking points. Gary Anderson edging past Simon Whitlock 16-12, but all the talk afterwards was about the Simon Whitlock points and what they do to a dartboard, shall we say. Mm-hmm. Um, guys, where, where are we standing on points? Because I think we're, I think we're all going to agree, but we're all going to disagree to a degree on this as well. So, Jar, where, where are you on the Simon Whitlock points? Just get on with it. Get on with it. Honestly, 
it bores me to tears reading about it. Simon Whitlock had every right to say what he said on Twitter. You know, basically saying, that, like, I've, I've tried to use normal points. They ain't worked. The other points work. Until the PDC outlaw those darts, he can do what the hell he likes. And people moaning about it on Twitter, just get over it. If you don't, if you don't like watching Whitlock, if you don't like watching these games, don't watch them. Don't watch them. It's not, it's not, it's not difficult. You have an opportunity to switch off. Appreciate you want to watch the quarterfinal of the match play, but if you don't like them, don't watch it. Simple as. Honestly, it really wound me up, as you might be able to tell. Phil. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, off the back honestly, of God, but where, where are you? Where are you going on the points debate after that? Then I'll tell you, well, you really quite feel. as emotional about it. Um, yeah, just I mean, get over until, it. Until they're outlawed, there isn't a lot that anybody else can say or do. The, the fact that the PDC were changing match boards after five legs every session is a little bit of a joke, in my opinion. Um, the problem is the consistency with which all boards are made. I think this happens across all manufacturers, all types of dartboards. You can get such a variation between a board that you can take straight from a box, be it soft, hard, um, just hit dead patches. I mean, there are manufacturers and boards that are, are more consistent, um, but I think the Unicorn TV boards are set up to look good on TV, and there's the issue. Once once they start losing that, do they hold up? And I'm not quite my sure issue, they're the most my, consistent board out there for this level. My issue maybe isn't with the boards itself. I think it's because they're made from a living product. I think the storage of them has an awful lot to do with it. I really do. Because people at home, they're stored at room temperature and they're put up at room temperature and they're sat there, which is why I think they last longer. Where where the PDC is always on the road and yet they're constantly moving. They're either in a truck, they're either left in the cold or maybe in the, the heat. So I think the storage of them has a lot to do with it personally. But yeah, look, I wouldn't be against that. I definitely see the way that conditions can affect the boards. Yeah. And all sorts but, of venues and pubs. So. But like we say, until they're outlawed, which I'm sure it will be on a board meeting in the near future, um, we, we, we move on. Next one, Christoph Ratursky against Michael Smith. And again, a really good game, this. And Michael Smith showed some kahunas again. When he had to, he went to the well again and he came up with an absolute belter when he needed it. I was more impressed with Smith at this point in the tournament than at any stage of the tournament because Ratajski was taking out huge outshots. The 128 comes to mind, the 104, the 161 on the bull to go 8-7 up going into that break, and he got the breaker throw going into that break. Had there not been a breaker throw there, I don't know whether we'd be having this conversation because it allowed Smith to have a couple of minutes just to go, right, okay, let's cool down. I'm absolutely batting on the board, and I don't know how I'm losing this game. But to come back like he did, and he, again, like Lewis in that uh, in that session against Nopper, turned on the afterburners. That really impressed me, and that shows to me that even though he didn't make it as far this year as he did last year, I've seen more from Michael Smith in this tournament to suggest that he is going to win that elusive PDC TV major title this week. That game in particular really showed me that. 100%. Only a matter of time, in my opinion. 
only a matter of time. Right, the next one, we could be here a while. It's the probably the <laughs> biggest talking point of the tournament, if we're being honest. Glenn Darren beating a resurgence of Vincent Vanderbilt, 18-6. Right, Glenn was in a world of trouble. I think it's fair to say that in our little WhatsApp chat, we were like, he's done. As he's coming back from this, yeah. 10-5, Vincent was absolutely flying. But Glenn does what Glenn does. Absolute balls of steel. Found a way to win. However, the big talking point from the game was the Vincent Mandeville, Kirk Bevins incident, shall we say. And I I think, I'm going to put it out there first, I think TV has made it look worse than what it was. When, when you listen to everything after. But Kirk Bevins, for those that don't know, Vincent did an underarm throw and Kirk rightly disallowed the, po- the point-scoring dart that was thrown underarm. Vincent questioned it at the time, wasn't happy. Now, this is where it all gets a little bit muddy in the waters. We heard clearly on commentary that Kirk said it was for an underarm throw. Now, in the heat of battle on the stage, Vincent believed he'd been penalised for overstepping the hockey. Correct, guys? Correct. But I, I think that the thing is that he might have said that at the time, but then Kirk actually goes and says to him, doesn't he? He motions it, it's an underarm throw like that. So he, he actually yeah, motions I, to I, him I, on I, the stage, and I think that's why he accepted. Yeah, I, I think by then, I think Vincent's head may have gone a little bit because he still was thinking he's, he's been done for overstepping Yoki when he hasn't. So it, in an ideal scenario, there'd have been a TV break there, and Kirk could have explained it. And I think then, but obviously yeah. because we were in the latter stages, there was there was no break. So they just had to get on with it. And you could see Vincent's head was ticking. At the, and he started to miss crucial doubles. And I think it's fair to say, let Glenn back into that game. If the, un, if the underarm throw doesn't happen, do we both think Vincent Mandelvoort wins that game? I think he does. But the thing that gets me about the incident is look where the dart landed. It was very, very close to Bullseye in the one. I don't think he was intending to to hit the one anyway. I think it was thrown in frustration, possibly to even bust. Saw where it landed and then got frustrated that it hadn't counted because he'd thrown it underarm and just didn't take on board the reason behind that as well. So I think... That's the Vincent of old that we've seen where he can be a little bit petulant, a little bit stroppy, perhaps. Um, he's very much yeah, a, a I, rhythm I, and juggernaut player. So, yeah. I agree. And then, obviously, Glenn goes on to win the match. Vincent has a little bit of a pointing spat at Kirk for overstepping the market. Didn't look great on TV. But then, obviously, he went and did his interview with RTL explained his side of it and I think then overnight shall we say I think Vincent's watched it back here's the commentary that we've heard and understands that he's been penalised for the underarm throw and fair play to him apologised to Kirk on social media and has said that at the next event he will personally apologise to him in person as well so although it looked bad on TV you've got to respect Vincent for coming out and apologising so quick and admitting he was wrong. 
It takes a bigger man to apologise than it is just to walk away. I always said that about that, and I said it on Twitter at the time. I think the issue's done and dusted. Well, personally, I think it is for me. I'm not sure whether the DRA might not want to have a little chat with Vincent van der Voel. I think the Christmas party might be back on now, um, personally. Um, but uh, certainly, certainly he is, in my opinion, that was a really good move from Vincent. I thought it was absolutely spot on to do it. I thought it was absolutely the right thing to do. He realised he was in the wrong. He came out and apologised. And the worst thought about this, actually, was the fact that people on social media were going down, you know, but were really hammered him for it. End of the day, he's admitted that he's wrong. Like, you know, I appreciate that, you know, that he has been, he's had moments in the past, obviously getting his phone out on stage um, and all that sort of stuff. But like, that was the hilarious moment, wasn't it? But my, what was, my point... What, 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 my, my, what, what was that? Yeah, exactly. Exactly right. Uh, but my, my, my point is, right, is that Vincent, for me, really did a great job coming back, apologising, making an absolute right decision, right thing to do, apologised, moved on, issued dead, apart from the DRA, because they want a great Christmas lunch. <laughs> yep, 100%. And then in the bottom one, Dancing Dimmy dances into the semi-final, 16-12 victory over Adrian Lewis. And in all fairness, Dimitri was comfortable in this game. Yeah, he was. I, I thought. I thought he was. I thought he was very, very comfortable. Yeah, to be rude, another... to be honest. I thought. Yeah, go on, Gob. You go, mate. Oh, well, it was I'm a sure performance we've seen before from him. We we saw him go on to repeat as well. He, he did as. Oh, no, is, is, is he jumping there? Yes, we can hear you now, Gob. You, you, you're back now, mate. Perfect. So it was it was a performance that we'd sort of seen from Dimitri before and we'd go on to see from him again. Um, he, he looked composed. He never looked um, under too much duress. At, at the big moments, I think he, he stopped and centred himself really well and took that little amount of extra time that... I'll, I'll get on to the way that he did that in the final when we get there. But for the rest of the tournament, I think that was absolutely fine in, in the way that he did it. Um, and yeah, it was just a very mature performance from somebody that hasn't been in that situation very often. Yeah, no, completely. Right, the semi-final night, Saturday night at the match play, usually at the Winter Gardens, it's special. It was at Milton Keynes, but both semi-finals were still special. First up, Gary Anderson beating Michael Smith, 18-16. The Sorcerer does The Apprentice. But a really good game. And it was one of those ones, the damage was done in the first two sessions for me. Michael was slow in starting. Gary took advantage and couldn't quite peg it back, Jar. No, I, I thought for a while, right? Here's the thing, because obviously it was 14-9 up at one stage with Gary. Smithson goes and wins six on the spin, which you think, oh, okay, here he is. He's right back in the semi-final now. He's got he's got the breaker throw as well, which is crucial. And I think he used up all his energy trying to get back into the game. He just looked like he he just really expended a lot of energy, and Gary was still relatively fresh. And I, I thought that it was a really good comeback from Smith. He just left it too. He just left himself too much to do. 
But Gary in that game, first three sessions in particular, was absolutely sensational. Some of the stuff that he was throwing was magical. Absolutely magical. Got some vintage Gary in that semi-final. Gary of old, please. Could watch it all day. Um, fantastic when he when he gets going like that. If there's if he is on that sort of form, you can tell by his, his body movement, it's very limited. His, his action just looks so much smoother than it than it has done at times, especially as it as it then went on to look in that final. Um yeah, it's just I don't think there's a better side. If him and Adrian Lewis are both fully fit and played a best of 100, I'd watch it on loop constantly for about four days. I just think it'll be that good. It just, it's just <laughs> aesthetically, there's not a better side in darts. Um, but well, I will say... Yeah, I was just going to say, it's Smith. weird, right? Oh, sorry, go on, mate, go on. I was going to say, it's weird that, that that Gary and Adrian have hit the most 180s in a match together in the PDC's history. It's not it's not by accident. Yeah, definitely. It's just, that's what I mean, when it's on, they're just they're just on, and there's no other way to explain it. They're, they're both two of the most naturally gifted dark players I think you'll ever see. Um, there's just no effort when, when they want to produce. So, yeah, but... Bully boy, a little bit unlucky, I think. Like I said, he started really slowly. I mean, before we, we got to the semi-finals, and obviously we know the results now, it comes out. The performances from the quarterfinals suggested to me that these results would be the other way around. Yeah, I agree. A Smith Durham. A Smith Durham final was the clear and heavy favourite. So the performances that Gary and Dimitri then went on to put on to get to the final were were class. I agree. And the second semi-final. Dimitri Vandenberg edging stablemate and good friend Glenn Durrant 17-15. And again, a strange semi-final. Dimitri starts well, goes in front. Glenn battles, gets himself back into the game, goes in front. And let's be honest here, when Glenn went in front, did any of us see Dimitri winning? Yes. No. Absolutely not. Uh, I'll be honest with you now. I thought, I think this is Glenn. Glenn obviously is not going to hurt as much because obviously he's three time BDA world champion, right? We, we, we know how much he's done for the game, we know how good he is. But in that moment, I know it's appreciated, it's a, it's a good friend, it's a man he travels with all the time. But in that moment, there's got to be a regret there. There has to be regret. You will never get a better chance, in my opinion, with the draw, the way the draws opened up, to lift your maiden PDC TV title. To, to a degree, yes, but I, I think Glenn's better when he plays the, the big boys. And, and I don't know why, but for some reason, I think he breaks the mould, but he becomes better. And I'm not being disrespectful to Dimitri or anything like that, but I just think that he prefers that underdog status, that underdog, that battling grit, like against Peter Wright, like against Michael last year at, at the match play. So I might be wrong, but I just think that he becomes better, the better player he plays. Well, there's no accident why he's the top of the Premier League, is there? Do you know what I mean? Like, there's no, there's no. no accident. He's absolutely smashing it out of the park this year, you know, and he will yeah. be there past Judgment Night. I, 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 I will be happily make a prediction on that, that he will pass Judgment Night. And I think he's already know, safe, Joe. 
Um, well, you know, I'm pretty, I'm, you know, do you know me, mate? The big call, the big calls coming out on this show from me right now. Uh, the thing is, is that the point that I'm making is the fact that, like, he does play against big boys, but at the same time, you that you aren't going to get many opportunities where a semi finalist is making his debut PDC TV semi final. And you've got a man, you've, and in the, on the other side of the draw bracket, you've got a man who's obviously won many, many titles, but not back to his fully best fit. And you've got a man in the other side of the draw who's made many, many finals, but never won a PDC tournament. And I think there will be a bit of regret there for Glenn. But still, as Gob says, to make a semi-final back-to-back in the match play and to be 13 in the world without a great run at the Worlds, he's won two Pro Tours, he's no, he hasn't won a Euro Tour yet, that is magical stuff. Kahunas. <laughs> yes. So the final was set up. It was the flying Scotsman, Gary Anderson, against the dream maker, Dimitri Vandenberg. Man, I know we all thought that Gary would win the final. However, me and God both said that if you're going off stats, Dimitri was the huge favourite for this final. And Jar, you weren't having it. However... Let's be honest, it was pretty one-sided, the final. After the first session, which was scrappy, Dimitri was head and shoulders, comfortable, the whole final goal. Yeah, he was. Uh, Gary just didn't turn up. You could see the, the difference in his action between the night before and the actual final. It was jerky, he was releasing wrong. He had that slipping out of his hands in, in that first mini-session. and um, everyone thought he changed arts, he just gave him a bit of a wipe down and then changed the flights to see if that made a difference. Um, Gary had opportunities in that opening session to to lead at the break. It was it was Dimitri's darts. Um, but Dimitri heard himself together. Um, the performance from Dimitri, you, you can't take anything away from a 98 average. I just wish that that was the only thing we were talking about from the final. Um, the pace wasn't great. I think there there are slow players and players that are, are naturally slow, like Justin Pipe and that sort of thing. But I think there were things that Dimitri did in the final that were above and beyond how he'd normally approach and play the game. And I think they were very deliberate, bearing in mind his opponent and the pace that they like to play at, deliberately laid back to, to both sessions after the break, um, walking off the wrong way and, and all those sort of things. I think they were... They were very deliberate in an attempt to, to gain the upper hand on Gary. You could see getting more and more frustrated throughout the game. Are you talking about Peter Manley dark arts? Well, I, I was going to come in. I was going to come in on this quickly, right? If this is Gezi Price right now, and he does something similar like that, remember what happened obviously two years ago with the Grand Slam and Wolverhampton in the final, and all the antics that was going on there. Do we reckon that this would have been more blown out of proportion than you know that we're talking about now with Dimmy? Scott? Uh, possibly, so. yes. But I, look, I think it, it was borderline. That everyone knows yeah. that there's grey areas in darts, and, and gamesmanship is is one of them. I don't think he massively. I, th- I think he was right on the line of between what's right and what's not. Players know yeah. that Gary gets affected by this and it's a way that you can get under Gary Anderson's skin. Now, we've everyone's known this for, for years. So in a way, 
Gary has to try and adapt and deal with it. And he did deal with it better, in fairness. We didn't get a massive explosion or a finger pointing or anything like that. So he is getting better with it. Um, was Dimitri close to the line? Yes. Did he cross it? Probably just about legal would be my assessment of it. No, I, I, it's a fair point. I, I, I just think personally, right, that... <laughs> I don't know. I, for for me, Gary probably got probably got a, a bit more under his skin. Obviously, Phil, there's no doubt about that. And I, I don't take anything away, by the way, from what happened to Dimitri Vandenberg. Dimitri Vandenberg coming back from that fourth session in particular was absolutely phenomenal. From eight seven up, he goes and wins ten of the last thirteen legs. That just isn't about gamesmanship. That's not about anything else. That's just absolutely mint. Yeah, 100%. And apologies, everyone. We've just lost Gob temporarily. He'll be back with us. But don't worry. We'll, we'll, we'll keep on talking, me and you, Jar, till he comes back in. The joys yeah, of we'll modern internet connections. Um, I can't, I can't wait yeah, until so, we get back to the days. I can't, I can't wait till we get back to the days where we can actually see each other in person, Phil. That's going to be um, that's going to yeah, be glorious well, at this point. Well, they're, they're not far away. Let's let's be honest. They're, they're not a million miles away. Um. But yeah, just just a really good tournament, and to see Dimitri win it, it opens up. Oh, he's back again! Here he is. Hi, Gob. Here he uh, is. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I just think it opens up so many doors for Dimitri, bordering the top ten in the world, and we all know that he will now get that golden phone call on New Year's Day or whenever the final is. To say, Dimitri, you're going to be dancing around the Premier League for eight to 16 weeks. I'll tell you something, right? Not just in terms of the fact for Dimi Vandenberg, by the way, because he will obviously, you know, he's a great player. But the PDC must be absolutely thrilled about this now. They've got to be absolutely thrilled about this. A new market to go and explode into the sport, a Belgium winning. For a Bel- a Belgium's not exactly you know, short of darts players at this moment in time as well. It's a hotbed of the game. You know, holds a Euro tour as well, holds a couple of Euro tours potentially every year. And and if, if he keeps going the way he's going and he keeps winning tournaments, do we think that that's going to be a Premier League night in Belgium at some stage soon? Brussels, get, get Brussels on that Premier League list, Barry, right now. Well, possibly... Um, yeah, I'd love it. I'd Could love it? it if Brussels were going to be on the Premier League. What a night that would be in Brussels. We talk about Berlin and we talk about how mental it is in the Mercedes Benz Arena, and Rotterdam is incredible. But can you imagine if Dimitri van der Berg was in the Premier League, maybe in a couple of years' time as well, and he goes to Belgium? That would be mad. It'd be incredible the atmosphere there. Yeah, it, it would be good. Um, just a t- thing, Gob, I think you need to mute and unmute your audio, mate, because we can't hear you. Um, yeah, no, it, it, it would be, it would be mid and it'll be interesting. Right, a couple of questions from YouTube. Right, guys, um, it is opinions on game of the tournament. Oh. Ah, dear. Right. This is, uh, this is a tight one. I'll be honest. Um, do you know what? I'm going to go with the, the I'm going to go with the Ratajski versus Smith game. 
I think that quarterfinal is my game of the tournament. Personally, I think it was a game of two halves. I think it was a game where we saw comebacks, we saw huge outshots, we saw big 180s, we saw a load of great talent on display. Ratajski versus Smith is my game of the tournament. Gob, over to you, if you can hear us. Uh, yeah, no, we sorry, can't hear you, Gob. We, we can't hear you, Gob. Um, <laughs> That's a good thing, normally. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, whilst we're waiting for Gob to sort his audio out, bless him, um, my game of the tournament, I'm going back to the first round. I'm going, I really enjoyed Glenn Durant against Jeffrey Desran. I thought Glenn was sensational. Near 107 average. I think it was his most complete tournament performance in the PDC over that format. And I thought he thought he was good. I thought he was just electric and showed in that. And it, it was a tough one to call that because there, there, there was loads of good games when, when you look through it. The Keegan Brown, James Wade game in round one is up there for drama and everything like that. Um. So, yeah, um, Gob, still no audio coming from you. So, we'll just, um, on your Vimeo, mate, if you muted, nod if you've done it, mute and unmute on your Vimeo. <laughs> Technical problems are always on this show at times now. I love so, it. Uh, it. It is what it is. Um, try leaving and then coming back and then muting and unmuting, mate. Well, me and Jar just, just carry on. Um, yeah, interesting. For, for that um, yeah just loads of good games we'll get his game of the tournament in a minute a couple more YouTube questions that we can answer well whilst we're waiting for Gob to sort his audio out um, if you were um, one from Charlie here if you were going to pick a PDC tournament what would it be mm, not sure what you mean by that one Charlie if you were going to pick a PDC tournament what to win um, obviously uh, Gob we're back We've got audio. Hello. Have we Hello. got audio from him? Oh, what? my God, we've what? got it. It's like, yes. oh, wow, incredible scene. It's incredible scene. It's like a light bulb moment. Um, so, <laughs> your game of the technology works. Uh, well, Jar pinched mine to start with. I was a big fan of the smith Ratajski game. Wasn't Ratajski's best performance, considering he was, he was highest on the average table before that, but he made a 92 average feel like 100 for his timing alone. Uh, but I really liked Peter Wright, Jose D'Souza. Um, really good scrap between oh, those two. Um, Jose getting out of the blocks, really putting Peter Wright under pressure. Wright showing his, his calmness to, to get the job done in the end. I think the gravity of the moment got to Jose a bit. He tightened up in the arm a little bit and was just dropping the darts a little bit low, um, especially in the scoring visit. But yeah, that was my favourite game of the tournament, I think. Nice. Right. So, what do we all think? I think the PDC done an amazing job of how it looked on TV and, and everything like that. Would I think I think we think we're agreeing there. Hundred percent. hundred percent. It it, yeah, it, it, it just class. looked yeah, it, it, it looked fabulous. The the noise that the, the crowd noise that they pumped in as well was mint. 
because it gave it that that little bit extra as well. So the players weren't playing in a library like they do on the Pro Tour and everything like that. I, I just thought everything about it. Had the PDC and Sky did an absolute amazing job of a bad situation. Definitely. Couldn't agree more. Production was first class. I thought it looked great. They, they thought of quite a lot in having the champions all in the background. I think the video wall from the fans to, to get people involved and build them up for that was first class. Um, the sounds was was class again. Um, there was a few times where they weren't quite on it, but I think the football ones are based off of the FIFA engine, if I'm not mistaken. So that's pretty much yeah. built on already. Sky have, Sky have done this by hand pretty much to get the crowd noise going, yeah. to, to time the cheers and whatever. So to do that well, without any practice, really. There's a little story behind this, which only people that were there will know. Nights, I think the first couple of nights, they used some crowd footage from a Euro tour. Now, not many people at Sky or the PDC were fluent in German, shall we say. And there might have been some expletives in Germany that had to be edited out. <laughs> which was... Oh, wow. I love that. Which was, which was hilariously funny. Like, because the Euro Tour atmosphere is brilliant. Yeah. But so the, the Sky engineers not fluent in their German. Um, yes, yeah. there had to be some, some, some edits done, shall we say. That's um, up there with a Winnie O'Connor walk on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was still going to say, how that, how that one got passed, I've got no doubt it wrong. It was mint. Got, I think it's fair to say that that one be used again in Ireland, that's for sure. Um, yeah, be... definitely not. <laughs> no. <laughs> No, 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 no. Nothing to see here. Nothing to see here. Oh, God. So, the real match play is absolute mint. Um, Charlie, do you think Gerwin Price will be a future world number one? Uh, you wouldn't back no. against the Iceman getting that number no. one at some point, do we no. not think? No, 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 no. no. Well, no. I, well, you definitely don't. Charlie, the, 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 the boys don't think so. Do I think Gavin Price could be world number one? Yeah, of course. Um, anything's possible. Anything, lads. You should know this. Um, but no, it is the world match play. Fair, yeah. It is sport and anything can happen. Let's all believe in fairy tales. Kirk Shepard got to the world, world final. Mark Cross won a world championship, but he still didn't go to world number one. Mark was going to dog it for a long, long time, being the same game that Gerwin is. And I think Gerwin will drop off by then as well. I think other players will come through. I think if Gerwin was at a time where Michael doesn't exist, maybe. Yeah, uh, I was going to say that. The only way that well, Gerwin Price doesn't go to number one is, the only way Price goes to number one is if he can absolutely uh, smash out the part for a couple of years and MVG drops off the face of a cliff. Simple as. We said that about there. players competing uh, with Phil Taylor for 20 years, so... Yeah, true. I've um, got one from Robin here on YouTube. We've touched on it. Um, do you think the match play titles guarantees Dimitri Premier League 100% mate and I think we're all in agreement absolutely ab- not just there's absolutely yeah. no doubt that Dimitri's name will be on Barry's 
little bit of card when he speaks to Laura or Bridgie at the World Championships. I will say this very, very quickly. Not just the fact that he's won the Premier, uh, won the World Match Play now. That's also a big deal. But can you imagine the marketing department at the PDC right now? They are rubbing their hands. The fact that Dimitri Vandenberg is going to get up on a big stage for the next 16 weeks. He is going to love it up there. I'm just throwing it out that proves that, that I system works as well, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. But like Dimitri yeah. winning proves that system works. You've had it with Aspinall, who's gone through the challenge tour route, come back up and gone on to win a major. Now you've got their most successful youth tour player ever going on to win a major. At a time when grassroots darts is filling your own expletive, it's not going very well. <laughs> it's proven that the foundations that the PDC are putting into place are working and you can go on to be one of the best players in the world if you go through their system. I was devastated. I really fancied the time when I was open this year. I was gutted. <laughs> I was absolutely gutted. Some actual real, some actual real, was it, real quality drinks that was on offer. It was a shame. I was really looking forward to it. <laughs> um, but yes, the, um, the, the match play is done. We don't know if there's going to be any more PDC darts until the Premier League. The the rumour mill, they're trying to sort some pro tours out, but we don't know. Um, a lot of players have gone on holiday and been caught out by quarantine by the look of it and everything like that. So there's another, another question there to, to be answered. But look, we don't know. The Premier League returns for six nights at the end of August back at MK. And I think it'll work now. When Not knowing what was going to happen with the match play and how it was going to look, but I believe it's going to be the same setup apart from the Betfred banners will be replaced by Unibet and the Premier League staging. I think it will work because the players grew into it. Round number one, we didn't get too many giving it a, a, a big one. But towards the end of it, they relaxed and they were giving it some as well. Uh, right, Charlie's got to go. Charlie, thanks for watching as always, mate. Thank you very much. Um, but yeah, I, I think the Premier League will work well for those six nights and... I hate to be the bearer of bad news. I think the whole Premier League might be finished at Milton Keynes. Yeah. Um, it, it's a shame because, you know, that there are some great places in the world, you know, that we could be going to. Glasgow in particular. I was really looking forward to that night out. Really looking forward to a night out in Glasgow after the Premier League. Um, but L L London, you know, the Unibet playoffs and all that sort of stuff. Obviously, London was, was going to host it, but they weren't going to host it. It was going to go to Rotterdam. Then it was going to go to Sheffield, now back to London. It's a bit of a nightmare. And then obviously next year it's going to go to uh, it's going to go to Berlin, which is a big surprise. Um, I, I, I'd say this though, right about the Premier League is that if it does finish in front of no fans, at least it's finished. Do you know what I mean? There are plenty of other yeah. sports that are not going to be finished. There are plenty of other sports that won't even get a start. And if it does mean I, I, again, I don't want to be the bearer of bad news and looking ahead, but. If it means the World Championships has to go ahead in Milton Keynes, then it has to go ahead in Milton Keynes, you know? But the thing is, yeah, I, I appreciate that. that I appreciate that. That's, no, the only no, one, no, that's the only one that won't go there. I think they, they could I, put every major there you could put on the floor of it there, but the PDC will move heaven and earth to put the World Championships <laughs> in a country, despite broadcasting, schedule differences and all that, where there are fans. That one will be fair, the crowd, no matter what. I agree. Looking at timescales, and again, we don't know anything here. We're just talking here like we do. I think the Grand Prix will be in Milton Keynes. Yeah. 
and then the slam potentially it's not just that is it's all right saying we can have some fans in but it's not it the PDC won't want to lose money on tournaments so you're probably looking they probably need probably 50 percent of the crowd just to break even with security costs stewarding costs and, and everything like that so 30 percent is it is it worth letting 30 percent of the fans in for the sake of a business model also, probably not also as well by I'll the way the biggest, the biggest one for them Depends also as well by the way can i well yeah can i just <laughs> say like as well the big one for me the big one for me is the players champs finals in my head as well that's not just a big one for the pdc that's a big one for butlins you know thousands of fans 5,000 fans on site all weekend as well having to refund that much money from people the fact because I think if I'm right in saying there's only a few uh, tens maybe left of packages that they do for the whole weekend I know the four nights options completely sold out so that's a big month for the PDC so I think that's the moment I think if we can get fans back in into Butlins where of course the last PDC event with fans took place uh, you know a major event anyway the UK Open if we can get fans back in there for that, I'm very confident that we'll get some fans in for the World Match play as well. Oh, sorry, for the World Championships, excuse me. No, I, I I agree that I think that if the Players' Championship is behind closed doors, then the world is in absolute huge danger because there's no team, there's no, obviously, rightly so, but there's no tickets going on sale yet. You think by now the world is normally almost sold out. There's a couple yeah, of afternoon absolutely. sessions left. So yeah, it, it normally goes on sale. It normally goes on sale during that week in the match play, doesn't it? The week in the match play is when it yeah, goes out on yeah. sale for PDC TV subscribers and the week after that this week would be, yeah, general sale. Yeah, so, yeah, I, I, I think that we could be seeing a lot of Milton Keynes, the new home of World Darts, obviously. Um, <laughs> yeah. Hashtag, trademark um, hashtag on that. Time, but it'll do. Yeah. They need to get a water um, slide so, in there. Yeah, so I think a lot will a lot more will come out obviously after these test results for World Snooker at the Crucible and, and everything like that and listening to IFL like I do a lot as you all know that Eddie was talking he's hopeful that November time they'll be able to get maybe not full capacity but a sizable crowd at the O2 for potentially um, Joshua to fight so a, a, again up, right up until the Players Championships I think we could see a lot of Milton Kings. And then after that, I'm hopeful. I wouldn't say your convinced. Your Wi-Fi bill is going to be horrendous by the time you leave Milton Keynes, mate. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I'm, all, I'm, I'm already on first turn names with the um, Marco Pierre White stuff. Normal breakfast. Oh, like, oh, yeah, you know. Oh, hello. Oh. You were you you were having a good week, weren't you? Someone's been paying you too much. Right, there's any place we can eat. That was our bubble <laughs> restaurant. <laughs> oh, God. You better have that though every single night. I'll take that hundred percent. What a place. Um yeah, um so yeah, Milton Keynes, get get used to it, folks. Um but guys. It's been an absolute pleasure. The World Match Play, we all put 100% into it and it, it was fantastic. Um, yeah, we, we made a few mistakes along the way technically with settings and things like that. But in in the main, I think we did a really good job not blowing our own trumpets, but I thought it, it was good from start to finish. Yeah, great tournament. What we do. Yeah, fantastic. 
<laughs> great tournament for us to share it with you boys. Great to share it with the uh, great great tournament. Great tournament with you boys, and uh, great to share it, of course, to all viewers and listeners across the uh, across the across the platforms. Don't forget, of course, just I've got to do a quick plug now that if you haven't been able to listen to the whole show or watch the whole show, we'll all be of course downloadable as a podcast for you on Spotify and Google Podcasts. We are trying our best with Apple, but they are being quite much of a pain as i would expect but there we go and phil you have an exclusive for our podcast listeners as well we do we do we do for all podcast listeners and podcast only exclusive to the online darts lounge i got a very good 15 or so minutes with the world match play champion himself dimitri vandenberg home in belgium discussing what it's been like since he's gone home reflecting on his world title world title world match play title um so pleasure talking to Dimitri and for all you pod listeners, you're in for a treat. That's all I'm saying. We've got the world match play champion a few days after his triumph in Milton Keynes. It's Dimitri Vandenberg. Dimitri, first of all, has it quite sunk in? <laughs> uh, I don't think so. I don't think that it has sunk in yet. Um, I don't know. I think it's it's just very busy at the moment and everything is happening at the moment. So it's going to be... Like in, in interviews and people that are messaging me and phone calls that I'm having, I don't know. I, I don't think that it's sunk in yet. What What was it like packing the car from Milton Keynes and putting that huge trophy in the car? <laughs> what it What it was like? Well, as soon as I put that big box with the trophy and in my uh, my boots in my trunk, then there was no room for anything else. <laughs> so I got to throw everything else in the in the back seat. It was crazy. <laughs> oh brilliant we um we obviously saw you back in your hotel room afterwards with your with your garlic pizza and everything like that what, what was that like just 10 15 minutes on your own to reflect on on what you achieved that night well for some reason after all the interviews i went straight to uh, my manager like now i do want to have a pizza and then we got uh our pal saying well that's uh the world match play after party and Mate, that pizza was brilliant and um, I was enjoying it. And well, at some point, I was also calling my girlfriend, and that together was just that was brilliant. Uh, I enjoy it, and, and that smile on my face couldn't be any bigger. The, the, the tournament in a whole, apart from the one game against Joe Cullen, you pretty much controlled every game you played in, didn't you? I reckon that I had against Joe Cullen uh, only the control in the end of the game uh, against Deza I started off with having control but he fought back and then at the end I was like slowly I don't know losing control but I kept digging in and then at the end winning it so yeah, tough two tough games but still managed to get through and my overall average my overall way of playing the game the playing the sport that that just that worked brilliant and, and I'm very proud of what I've done in the final, when did you start thinking, I've got this? Because the first two sessions were, were scrappy, but you came out on top. But then the middle part of the game, you took control. When did you think, this is mine? Yeah, very true. The first two sessions wasn't going as easy as I thought it would be. And I also saw my opponent was struggling because Gary and I only had a, a 180 maybe in like the, the 13th leg or something. But like, in my eyes, very late in the game, the first 180, which we are normally both very strong at. And then uh, at some point, I missed three darts. Gary broke me back with 130. And I straight away said to myself, like, no, I cannot let this happen. I need to break him back straight away. And that's what I did. And also in a stronger and more impressive way, I finished the 170. 
And because in my mind I had that, like, I need to break him back. You've got to do this. As soon as I actually did it, it just gave me a boost of my confidence. And it told my and I told myself, like, see, you got this. And then from that, that moment on, I uh, I think I just kick-started and, and had another few bullseye finishes and taken the lead. So as soon as all of that hap was happening, I was like, yes, uh, this is going to be mine. And especially when I went down in the last break with 16 to 9 in front, I walked down and I said, like, this is yours to take. This is your final. So, yeah, that, that's how I experienced uh, the game. What was the feeling like when that winning double went in? Oh, what, what was the feeling like? Um, I don't know. I think I won that, that final with already knowing as that I was going to win it, especially I was, I was against Gary Anderson. The back-to-back -back world champion, a man with so much experience and so much exper expertise, I was 16-9 up against him in a game like this, in a world match play final like that. So I basically already told myself I, I am winning it. And I don't know, after that going in, I, I felt normal. I felt like, see, you did the job. You pulled it off. You've done it. You've made history. And, and like, come on. I am the world match play champion of 2020. <laughs> how did that compare to the same feeling to win the world youth title? How did, how did the two compare? They compare in that I had my mind on something. I had a goal and I had my eyes um, on, on only the win. And in that way, they compare to each other. They're very equal to each other because when I was playing in that World Youth Final for the first time and the second time, it's still two times that I was in a kind of pressure that everybody else from at that moment in their life would be dreaming of. And I was making it happening. I was taking my chances and I played actually very strong in both of these moments. I'm sorry to say, but the church just stopped <laughs> playing his music. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah, crazy feeling. And, and I went up that stage and I said to myself, take, seal the moment, seal the deal, take the moment and take your own future in your own hands. Obviously, this, this victory has and will open so many doors for yourself over the next two years. Now, 12th in the world, is the next goal the top 10? 100% my goal is always to uh, rise up and well, get myself up the ranks. Um, there are not many players left anymore to catch up on. So it's all about the quality that needs to come out it's a whole lot more now. And, and I need to do it um, a whole lot often, uh, stronger. Um, I think besides winning a, a one-time tournament like this, I need to show now that I am capable of every time winning a tournament. So they really are like overthinking that they are playing against me. And maybe I do have a target on my back now, but I don't mind. Because as always, I will only be working with my own game and be thinking about myself and be focused on myself. I know this year's Premier League hasn't finished. But come January the 1st or whenever the World Final is around that time, I think it would be quite a surprise if your name wasn't on the Premier League list for 2021. In your mind, are you already processing what that's going to be like to play in the Premier League? Well, I've already got one experience on a Premier League stage. I think it was last year in Rotterdam. And uh, I had to play against James Wade. 
who now is in our establishment as well, part of our management. And um, I managed to play a play against a player like him, uh, a draw, a six-all, in my first ever experience on a Premier League night. So I think that if I can go and play all of these games, obviously, if I get picked, because I don't take things for granted, I'm always the one that says, if you work hard, you can um, achieve your dreams. And that's what I will be doing. I will keep my focus on chasing my dreams and making my dreams come true. But, yeah, of course, I've been, I'm thinking about it uh, already. And, and I really hope that I will get picked. And I really hope that I can, like, show the world on a, on a regular basis that I am part of the world top's best. Well, there's only one major champion in Paul Nicholson that's not been picked for the Premier League. So I think you stand a pretty good chance, mate. The odds are in your favour. Well, let's hope so. As I said, I don't take things for granted. I still need to keep working hard and uh, need to show that I have deserved that spot. And, well... The future is all mine to take, so let's keep working on it and I have a great team behind me. I think as well, looking at your victory, does that show every up-and-coming player as well how the system works? Because you've come through it from the very bottom. You've done the youth tour, or sorry, the development tour. You've done well on that. You've progressed onto the main tour and now you're a champion. So does that show every youngster that the pathway in the PDC does work? I hope it shows to them that You've got to take it serious from the start. If you want to make something out of yourself, you've got to start working on a young age. And, well, they say the PDC U-Tour development tour is something you need to use to develop. Well, it took me seven years to be a world match play champion. Seven years is a lot. You know, you've got to give yourself the time. You've got to be patient. You've got to work with the disappointments and you've got to kick on. You always got to look to the future and work hard for the future. Because if you want to be something, if you want to reach something or achieve something, it will not rise up like the sun does every morning. It doesn't come from its own. Cool. Also, now that you've overtaken Kim in the rankings, does this make you the Belgium captain heading into the World Cup? Yeah, I reckon it does. Um, on that, on that particular thing, I don't really have a lot of comments because I'd prefer to overtake him when he was higher up the ranks. And unfortunately, me being Belgium's number one happened in a different way that I am not so happy about, of course. But hey, since that happened, I just kept my focus on myself and I've got to still be busy with myself. Because even though I would love, like as I always do, I love to represent Belgium, at the end, playing in darts as a professional is still something I've got to do on my own. Um, I always enjoy playing for Belgium, especially with Kim on my side, because I know Kim for already so long, and the man has taught me so much and got me into the prem, uh, the PDC. I will uh, never forget that. But uh, um, now I have shown that I've become a man, and I need to keep doing it now. I need to make sure that I'm not just uh, a one-time uh, lucky player or whatever. Also as well, that must be a nice feeling now, knowing that you haven't got to qualify for all these tournaments as well, that you're in them because of your ranking. Is that pressure off, knowing that you're already there? It is something that I've already thought about, stood still uh, off, and there's only a positive feeling coming out of that. There's only proudness coming out of that. Like, all of a sudden, mate, I'm in, I'm in the top 16 of the world. I, I, I am so high up up the ranks that I'm like wow this is just happening out of the blue and 
obviously I am so happy that I don't need to be busy uh, anymore with qualifying for the, the major tournaments because as you say I am straight away in and my plan is to stay in that top 16 so I'll never ever have to be busy with the floor tournaments and let's just see that if I'm playing the floor tournaments that I just can raise my game there as well and uh, be also a professional dart player that they have to be worrying about on the floor too. Also as well I know a lot's been made about your time at Peter Wright's um, house you've emerged from that looking a more complete player what did he say to you in those text messages during the week that he was messaging you after he departed the tournament? They were telling me that it is, uh, it's there for me to take. They were saying, you've got this. They were saying, um, oh, I hope you win tonight. We're rooting for you. We're already very proud. And uh, we really loved it that you was here with us. And thank you for the nice words. And, well, just the whole way, I've got so many good messages from them. And, and that... They basically already said that they are like missing me over there and they had a brilliant time, a great time and everybody's rooting, everybody's watching and, and everybody's also like nervous for me but also proud and they're all wishing it for me to happen. So, you know, all of them words, all of them messages are so inspirational and, and such a satisfying feeling that you can give people that want to help you out and took you in and helped you through the corona and the lockdown that they are like also standing there behind me that they are supporting me and they have my back and that's so unbelievably cool and I've already thanked them a million times and I will do it a million times again Do you think in 10-15 years time or whatever you'll look back on those three months and think are they the three months that perhaps changed your career forever? Well I don't know if I would be looking at it that way but I for sure will definitely not forget what they have done and even my manager also said that we will never forget what they have done at that moment and that time of, uh, well, what was going on in the world. So the only way of looking to that is I've got an amazing experience. I've took a lot from it. And a few months later, like, yeah, a few months later, it brought me to where I am now and a freaking world match play champion. <laughs> Since you've been home, what's it been like? What were, what were the celebrations like in the Vandenberg household when you got home? I don't know. I think they have the same as me, as in disbelief and like, wow, and finally. And my dad, he was saying like, it was coming. It was happening. It, this, this was always going to happen. Obviously, it's sooner than later, later than sooner. It's one of them too. It's like how they thought of it, how they looked at it. But they also kept believing in me. And the first thing my dad said was, you know what? you still can play so much better and so much stronger. And I've got to agree. I feel the same way about it. I do see that I can or believe that I can play even stronger and, and show even more quality about what I possess. But as, as always, I'm going to take it step by step, look to the future, work for the future. And besides that, I've given them all a huge big hug and you can straight away feel that they are so proud of me. And that's insane. That's unbelievable. Final one from me, Dimitri, and then I'll let you go. Are you looking forward to that moment next time we're on TV? You're stood at the top of the walk-on and John McDonald in introduces you to, hopefully, the public, but certainly the millions watching at home as the reigning world match play champion. Do you want me to honestly that honestly today? To answer you that honestly, today my youngest brother, Bailey, the nine-year-old one, 
he is the one that actually told me this and I didn't even thought about it for a second. He went like, oh my God, brother, do you actually realize? You, remember, it's from my nine-year-old younger brother. He went like, do you realize next time that they will call you out as a world match play champion? And he went like, Dimitri Vandenberg, the dreammaker. He was like giving it the big and he was like as if he was John McDonald. But I was like looking at it and I'm like, wow, I didn't even stood still about it. I didn't even thought of this. So, yeah, I'm, I am looking forward and you'll be seeing my smile going to be even bigger than it used to be. <laughs> Dimitri, it's an absolute pleasure, mate. And we'll let you get back to the family. Thank you very much for taking time out to speak to us here at Online Darts, mate. And we wish you all the very best and we'll see you in the very near future. Yes, you will. And thank you very much for taking the time. And I wish you a lovely week. Uh, thanks to everyone for joining us at the Live Lounge. We will try and do a show next week. We're going to come up with a theme for it. Obviously, no darts, but we will think of something to talk about because we want to do this weekly so you guys get used to us being here and us doing the show, more importantly. And I'm confident within the next month we may even get a full live show with the three of us all in one place, socially distancing. Gentlemen, absolute pleasure. Remember, online darts, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, you name it, we are there covering all things darts for you digitally. I'm Phil Bars, Jolafi and Jack Gobby Garwood. Absolute pleasure and thank you very much, everyone, for joining us on the Online Darts Live Lounge and we will see you next time. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 